I believe. I believe that. Oh, no. Oh, wait, no, we didn't make the World Cup. We won't uh, do that one. Uh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. We failed miserably. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Disappointed USA crew here, the Cody Fitness Podcast. You have to care to be disappointed. I'm marginally disappointed. <laughs> I'm, I'm very disappointed, actually. Are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely. I've been disappointed for quite a few months. Hey, eight years from now, when we host the World Cup, We'll all have to we're, pretend that we like soccer. We're going to win. Right. We're going to win. Eight years. I'm, right, call, I'm calling it right now. Calling I thought you were about to say that you were going to be on the team. Yeah. Well, yeah that, <laughs> we're going to win because I'm on the team. Whatever <laughs> nine-year-old is training right now out in uh, Colorado. Stick step with it, it buddy. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. Hey, I'll be 40 in uh, eight years, so that means uh, prime time. Yeah, you'll be in your prime, man. Yeah. Is there a master's you're, world you're, cup? <laughs> <laughs> Should we chase that real quick? What are we doing in eight years? Eight years from now, what will I be doing? Yeah. Mm, I'm not real sure. We'll be putting out episode episode 31 of the Coyote Fitness Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope to I hope to be a meme. You hope to be in a meme. Years? Yeah, I think that's my ultimate. We can life make goal. that I be sooner. Meme. Let's yeah. see. Let's Absolutely. get some bigger <laughs> goals. You mean like a worldwide? Yeah, meme? I'm talking. I'm like I want to go viral. Yeah, All okay. right, <laughs> uh, meme contest. Chris Allen, do it. Go. <laughs> my goal in eight years, let's make it specific to CrossFit, would be to actually hit a 250 pound clean and jerk. That's my goal. So in eight years, I've got eight years to close a ten pound what'd gap. You, what'd, you, <laughs> what'd you hit the other day? Two forty. Yeah. Setting the bar really high That's there. Right. Yeah. I'm all about slow, consistent progress. That's I'll less say. than a pound like, a year, right there. Right? No, that's a little bit more. It's like one point one pounds yeah, one, a year. Yeah, yeah. Pound a year. So you could just let the bar collect dust for eight years and then do it. You have to set achievable goals, or yeah. what are they worth? You know. <laughs> yep, that's what I like to hear. All right, what are we talking about today, Chase? Uh, we're playing hot potato with this topic because I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Hot potato. Is that... Uh, hmm. Hmm, okay. Well, we'll do that. I know that we were, from our discussions off mic, we started throwing around aerobic training, which is a pretty interesting topic because most people have a misunderstanding about the value of it and what it does. And we have uh, Chris Allen sitting here, who is the brains of the uh, training organization here, or at least that's what he likes to think he is. Thinks That's about, what's on my business card. Yeah, you just think about this stuff way too much. So you got a lot of information stored in there about what this actually means. And I'm hopeful that as you describe it, we're going to be able to disagree with you and then fight back because who really There's likes... There's no reason you should ever aerobic train. That's right. Who who likes the phrase aerobic Matter training? Matter of fact, why are we doing CrossFit? Pilates <laughs> is where it's at. <laughs> so true, but well, we'll get some to that. Of us are still we is CrossFit. an interesting uh, pronoun uh, right there. I have been... Let's bring that up. I, I full-on expected to come back to CrossFit fully this week mm. until five guys ruined my life for a solid six days. What were their names? <laughs> I made that joke yesterday. Not everybody laughed at it. I felt a little let down. Thank you, Chris, for making that joke. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> it makes funny. It feel better. The interesting part is you're you're still really loyal to that franchise. I mean, oh, it's still my favorite, quote unquote, fast food restaurant out there. So it can it literally good. destroy your guts, and you're going back for more. It's only happened once ever. Okay, and it was in Atlanta. Interesting. I'm still going to trust the one in the restaurant. All right. So this is what we do inside the Coyote uh, CrossFit community. When someone throws down something absolute like that, if it doesn't happen, we make them pay dearly. So when is your return back into the box? Monday. Monday will be the return. Mm-hmm. So we need to set the stakes pretty high for you. I think if you don't show up on Monday and do the workout, you you will be required to do Murph by yourself while the three of us watch and perhaps throw in obstacles. I will have Return of the Mac ready to play as soon as you walk in. <laughs> we will blare it on the Sounds like a decent wager. Put it on repeat. That's a, yeah. that's a good incentive yeah. right there. So mm-hmm. what do you guys do when I come in Monday? 
we play Return of the Mac. As yeah, loud as I mean, possible. I was like, congratulations. You. I wish I knew what the heck that was, by the way. Wow. Oh, my God. I'm yeah, we, no, we can't over. spend time Hold on up. that. Please, please, please dub over and uh, play that song <laughs> then, in well, entirety. Then we'll t- turn off the recording. <laughs> 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 All right, this is uh, welcome to the last episode of the Cody Crit Fitness You're about to have That's three guys ruin your life for it. once more. All right, so let's move into our topic, aerobic training. I, I, I really want to figure out um, – what you would say would be the definition of aerobic training so that we make sure we're all discussing the same thing and not just what we have in our mind. And so to me, I look at, uh, I look at aerobic training as that anything that is, uh, that is uh, sustainable for long periods of time. Okay, so, I mean, you could technically say what we're doing right now is aerobic. We're sitting here talking. We could do this. We could do this all day. But um, and when, in terms of uh, when you put it in terms of fitness, you know, going for a uh, – if you want to go for a run for, you know, 30 minutes and you want to be able to run the entire time, you have to be able to run at a pace that's going to allow you to run for that or for that full 30 minutes. So it's going to be different based on your capacity, ability, all that stuff kind of comes into play. But um, from what I'm picking up on your definition, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, it's a sustained level of activity over a long period of time, right? It, it is. Okay. Yeah. So um, we put athletes in this in this position all the time, right? It's something that any any form of fitness uses. Uh, would you would you agree with that definition, Hunter? Yeah, the- I think uh, you know anybody who might go to just a, a typical gym and say, "I'm going to do some cardio today," and you know they're getting on the stairmaster or the treadmill for 30 minutes. That would be what you would classify as aerobic training. Um, CrossFit, we we do you know stuff like that. We also do it with you know mixed modalities and all all different different types of way to keep you keep you interested and engaged in it but yeah that generally that's what that's what we would call aerobic training for sure so aerobic training is uh, directly parallel to what most people say as cardio and people get addicted to cardio and uh, you know over the past number of years a lot of this is starting to to disappear but for a while the fitness industry was dominated by just different forms of cardio so a lot of people have come through and and with this misunderstanding, which we're about to prove today, that that's the only way to get fit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was. Um, it's actually it's really interesting how um, uh, different um different uh, thoughts on training and diet, how they kind of go through the same process. How you kind of go from one extreme to the other, and then everything just kind of settles back uh, back in the middle at some point. Like you look at, you take nutrition for example. For uh, for the longest time, they told you don't eat any fats. And then it got for a while where, you know, carbs were, uh, were killing you. Don't eat any carbs. And now it's starting to come back into the middle where, uh, you know, probably the best idea is for you to, is for you to be balanced. And that's what we're seeing in fitness too. It was, uh, you know, do, you know, long, steady aerobic work with some, uh, with some light resistance training. And then it kind of swung back to the other side of, you need to be high intensity all the time. And now, it's coming back into the middle and you're starting, uh, you're starting to see that all these things, they kind of, they, uh, they enter, they interconnect and they, and they feed off of each other. You know, the better you can get in one, the more you can increase your, uh, your abilities in the other. Um, me and, uh, me and Hunter have talked about before, if you're going to look at from strictly a, uh, an athletic perspective from the, the physical attributes of an athlete, you want to build them on a base of, of, uh, strength and anaerobic uh, anaerobic capacity or their uh and in this case i mean their ability to utilize oxygen as their fuel source to uh to get work done 
Yeah, I agree. And I don't think we're saying that there's anything wrong with doing, you know, no cardio, but I think the problem is when you go to extremes and that's all you're doing, yeah. you know, you need to be doing aerobic work and you also need to be doing anaerobic work and strength training and all different types of energy system training. And if you're just going and doing cardio four or five days a week, you're missing out on a lot. And on the other end of the spectrum, if you're not doing any aerobic work, then you're missing out. You know, you need to be throwing it in there some, but you also need to be doing other other variables. And I think we'll get into a little bit more specifics of why um, aerobic work is important and how it, it can impact other other energy systems and stuff like that. But, you know, there's not anything inherently wrong with getting on the Stairmaster for 30 minutes, but that does not need to be the only thing that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I think y'all's balanced approach is actually actually taking root, and I think something that the CrossFit community at large, guys that are running these affiliates, would do well to pay attention to, especially if they're tuning in. Uh, but this balanced approach is starting to spread as a reputation around our particular box. So we have high-level athletes that are in different sports that are coming into our box to get more balanced or to shore up deficiencies. We have traditionally long-range athletes that are coming in to try to build up their strength because they're reading information about how that's important. And just recently, we've had a group of local power lifters come in and say, hey, how can we investigate this relationship? Because we're realizing we can pick up the gym, but we're missing some stuff. You know, We need a place to do our form of exercise, for one, but we're also interested in what you guys are doing that can make us better at what we do. Uh, so this is really starting to take root and work uh, around. It's not just a theory. It's actually working. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and um, I think that's a good uh, a good way to kind of lead into this topic. I mean, you know, what are the what are the benefits of aerobic training? You know, just from from a from a health standpoint, you know, you're going to increase uh, you're going to increase cardiovascular health. Your body's going to be more efficient at uh, at doing things like uh, utilizing fat as a fuel source because the more oxygen you bring in, the more fat you're oxidizing and stuff like that. Um, but when you start looking at it from a performance standpoint you know we just said you know building the base off of strength and um and aerobic uh, aerobic capacity you're uh an increased um an increased uh aerobic uh, capacity can actually help you with your strength training because what it does the better your aerobic base is um the more oxygen you can bring in it'll it'll make you a, a more efficient at uh, recovering between between sessions and even between sets and even between reps. So you get more out of each, out of each session because you're able to, uh, to recover that much better. Yeah, the, I think the old uh, idea, scientific idea, was that the aerobic system only you know, contributed a small portion of energy when you were doing non-aerobic work. So when you're doing anaerobic work, strength training, stuff like that, it only contributed a small percentage of, of the amount of energy into what you're doing. Well, they're doing more studies now that are coming out and say, well, the aerobic system actually contributes a lot more mm -hmm. to that work than they originally thought. So if you develop your aerobic system, that's going to transfer over into other, other things as well. And so if you have a highly developed aerobic system, that's going to help you in all other aspects uh, of your training and of your performance. And I like to think of the aerobic, you know, the aerobic system as like the base of the pyramid. So the bigger an aerobic base <clears throat> that you can build, the higher the peak of the, of the performance pyramid in all aspects you will be able to reach. So if you want to improve your 
overall performance long term, a great way to do it is to build a bigger aerobic base because that's going to set you up to, per, to 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 perform at higher levels. Yeah, and um, I'll uh, I'll call out CrossFit a little bit um, for this because this is something that they kind of pushed back in the uh, back in the early days, and you know, to their credit, they've kind of since changed their tune with this because they started bringing in aerobic experts like Chris Henshaw, but. Um, I remember uh, when I was getting my level one, I remember they, they would talk about how the uh, anaerobic system would uh, would benefit the aerobic system more than the aerobic system would benefit the anaerobic, you know, and it's just, that's just complete nonsense. You know, it's, it's absolutely not true. Does the, anaer- will like, will doing anaerobic training help your, uh, aero- your aerobic system? Yeah, sure. But to say that the aerobic system will not help the anaerobic you know, very little, if any, is just is ridiculous. In their defense, I will say, I think the study, the scientific studies at that time what were saying we're that. We're probably showing that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was a general consensus. And now <clears throat> the studies are saying they're starting to take a step back and say, oh, wow, that wasn't true. Actually, the aerobic system is going to impact all the other systems as well. Yeah. And so that, and you know, and, and Chris Henshaw, if you're interested in this at all, go Ooh, listen to what he has to say. He is the best I've heard talking about the aerobic system. He makes it easy for people to understand. I've heard him talk in person a couple times. I always come away with a ton of knowledge. He's got, he puts out a ton of free content. It's all on YouTube. Go look up Chris Henshaw. He kind of, he made it, he uh, kind of came onto the scene as working with Jason Kalipa one year and took him from like finishing last in every endurance event at the games to like almost top three or winning every yeah. endurance events the year after. Now he works with like all the top you know, CrossFit athletes. He works with Katrin Davis' daughter, Matt Fraser, Rich Froning. You know, you the uh, who's who of who of who, of the top competitors. So look into what he's doing. But he has been really probably at the forefront of changing the way people train in CrossFit. And if you look at the top level competitor CrossFit competitors, you know they're doing aerobic work every single day. I know yeah. I you know when Rich Froning was at the top, I used to watch everything I could on Rich just to see what he was doing and he started every single day with aerobic work like 5k recovery row or aerobic intervals or anything like that. He was doing it every single day in the morning and I think if you will look and see what these other top athletes are doing, they're doing the same thing. They're doing aerobic work every single day because they know the value of it and how it's going to help them um in in their CrossFit workouts and in their strength training as well. Yeah. So this leads me to a question. When you guys are programming aerobic work, and I know even in our programming that phrase comes up, aerobic base, what is it you're trying to make happen inside of the athlete? How do you make that happen? Just give us a little bit of science behind it. We're trying to make uh, make our athletes more efficient users of the oxygen around them. Okay, so when that so when we uh, when we put our athletes like for uh, for example we just had our uh, we just had our athletes um, test a uh, test a five k row, not necessarily because we uh, not because we anticipate a five k row coming up with in the uh, in the open or anything like that. Now it might, who knows? But uh, um, the reason that we uh, the reason that we chose that is because it is a cyclical you know, repeatable, repeatable effort that we can very closely monitor to see, um, to see if work output is increasing over, uh, over a set amount of time or not. And, um, it's something, uh, you get on a row or you sit there and pull is something that you don't have to think a whole lot about. And it gives you a chance to sit, focus on breathing, bringing in oxygen, breathing in, breathing out as you repeat this movement over and over and over again. And, uh, what we, uh, what we want to do with that is we want everybody to know, okay, this is, this is my sustainable pace for this amount of time. 
So when you get into a, you know, quote, CrossFit style workout and you know, okay, this is a, this is a 10 to 15 minute workout. I'm going to have to be in my, uh, uh, I'm going to have to be hitting my aerobic, my aerobic pace spot on. You've been on it so long. You've been training it. You know exactly what your body feels like when you're aerobic and when you're at a pace that's sustainable and when you're not. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just went through this test. So I'm kind of, as you're describing it, I'm thinking about what yeah. my experience was. And part of what I think is so difficult for athletes is recognizing that limiter mm-hmm. and uh, approaching a workout with that limiter in mind. So when you sit yeah. down for a 5K, you start doing the math and say, based on the scores on the board, I want to finish on at this time. So that means that my 500 splits have to be this. Then you realize... I'm not capable yeah. of that. <laughs> you have to own up to that. Yeah. The goal in CrossFit is to to stay aerobic as long as you can. I think that's why Froning was so successful was because he was able to do, you know, heavy movements, complex movements, and stay aerobic, you know, pace. You know, if you watch him in workouts, like, it doesn't look like he's hurting that bad. He looks like he has his breathing under control. The longer you can stay aerobic – the better off you're going to be. You're going to be able to hold on to a pace. And you kind of feel it like the more you train, especially if you're on the rower a lot, you kind of get – you can feel when you're aerobic and then all of a sudden it just kind of switches over and you can feel that you're going anaerobic and it starts hurting more and your breathing yeah. starts picking up. If you can stay aerobic and train your body to be able to be aerobic, you're going to be able to stay at a steadier pace um, throughout CrossFit workouts. And that's that's what I notice when I do a lot of aerobic work is when I'm in CrossFit workouts, I feel like I can stay aerobic longer. I could feel like my breathing's under control. I can manage my rest. Um, my heart rate's staying lower and it's coming down lower uh, faster when I'm when I'm uh, taking breaks in between sets and stuff. And you're not feeling like you're going to blow up. If you don't have a whole lot of aerobic training, it's going to be really hard for you to stay aerobic in a CrossFit workout. You're going to go anaerobic and, and, and you're going to be all of a sudden you're going to feel like your heart's going to beat out of your chest. And we all know that feeling. So the longer we can push that off, you know, the best, they don't hit that point until the very end of the workout when they turn it on They're pace and pace and pace and pace. And, and then the last minute or so they're racing to the finish line and they collapse. But if they stopped in the middle of the workout, they wouldn't have to fall down on the middle of the ground. They could just stop and just stand there, you yeah. know. And it, it, they're not going to hit the point where they feel like they're about to pass out until the very end of the workout. Whereas somebody who doesn't have a very efficient aerobic system, they might feel like that two minutes into the workout, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so, like, I'll give you a practical uh, example of what he means by that, by staying, being able to stay aerobic. So, uh, I'm gonna try to do this math in my head. It's probably gonna it's probably gonna be terrible. But uh, let's say we take somebody and um, we test their thousand meter row. Okay, a thousand meter row is probably going to put you if you can do it efficiently. It's probably gonna put you at about your peak aerobic pace. That is your strongest pace that you can that you can probably stay at and be aerobic. We time it. Let's say it takes you uh, uh, it takes you four minutes. Okay, so you're at two minutes per five hundred. Okay. We want to see what your aerobic capacity is. We uh, what we would probably do is we would take that aerobic pace that you did. So uh, let's and we'll add probably twenty percent to it. So that puts you what, what would that be two ten, I think. What would you say twenty seconds slower on a thought? Yeah, twenty percent slower. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. On the splits, two ten. Yeah, yeah. So we put you at two ten, and we'd say you're going to row at two ten, and we're going to see how long you can hold it for. And let's say you, let's say you make it six minutes. And now all of a sudden 
you start your legs start to get really heavy everything starts burning you're not aerobic anymore you're starting to get anaerobic now you can't uh your the oxygen cannot keep up with the amount of work that you're trying to do so that's when lactate starts to flush in okay you're not anaerobic anymore you're anaerobic and you're and you're using lactate and glycogen as a fuel and not the oxygen anymore we build up your aerobic capacity you you get to where you can hold uh you hold that 210 instead of holding for 6 minutes maybe you can hold for 8 minutes that's what makes guys like Froning and Frazier so incredibly effective you watch them do these things and they look and it looks effortless but they're going so fast and the reason for that is cuz they're 80% they'll hold that 80% all day cuz their aerobic system is so well developed yeah, and one of the reasons, you know, we like to do aerobic work on like the row or a running or something like that is because you can you can kind of gauge and hold that pace. It's really hard for you to to do that with a with like mixed modalities like a bunch yeah. of different weights and stuff because everybody's going to be affected differently by different workouts. Like, you know, if the weight's too heavy, well all of a sudden you know, you're, you're getting to the point where you just can't do the weight anymore and you're, you're not aerobic anymore. Um, or you're, if you're not efficient at a movement, you might spike your heart rate up a lot more. So it's a lot easier to control. There's a lot less more, very lot less variables if you're just doing it on the row or if you're just doing it on the bike or if you're just doing running. But at the same time, we do also like to throw in some, some aerobic work with, with the CrossFit modalities just to keep it interesting. Yeah. And, yeah. And of keep course. it fun. So it's kind of like, you know, we want to get a little bit of both in there um to to be able to you know hit all our bases while we're doing it i love the way we're talking about this because part of what people have a knock against crossfit they still have the idea that you just grab a workout out of the bingo tumbler and just redline see how fast you can do it and show up for another day but there's actually a lot of thinking behind the programming and you have a long arc with a crossfit athlete even just the average male or female working the nine to five that comes in there's a lot of uh, thinking and investigating and development that has to happen over a couple of years. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. So Yeah, so that goes into now, um, you know, uh, the, the difference between testing and training. You know, well, why, you know, uh, could you, could we do that thousand meter test? You come in and you just hit it as absolutely as hard as you can and um, uh, come in and do that every, uh, every three days and improve your thousand meter time, probably a little bit for a while. But, um, I mean, it's not going to be, it's not going to be sustainable when you talk about training it. So in our, uh, in our class structure, whenever we're, uh, whenever we're doing aerobic training, okay. And we're not, we're not testing. We're not, um, we're not, uh, we're not in a compete setting. We are in, we are in a, a setting where we want you to actually get better at developing the, the aerobic system. We did one. Uh, we've done two sessions this week. One of them was uh, some intervals. We did 90 seconds on, 90 seconds off, of uh, of some mixed uh, some mixed modal movements. And the goal was to try to hit the same amount of reps every single time. Okay, so they would go 90 seconds, and I think we did like 10 kettlebell swings, uh, 10 burpees, and 10 box jumps. You just did that for 90 seconds, rested 90 seconds, do it again. If you are if you are training the aerobic system, if you are, you know, actually sustaining an aerobic pace, you should hit the same amount of reps or pretty close to it every single set. So if you hit, if we did six sets and you got one round exactly on the dot, hopefully you're getting one round for every single, for every single set. And when you get done, you shouldn't be just completely taxed laying out on the floor. You should be up breathing, feeling good, you know, think, you know, 
stuff like that. But then if we do a uh, a workout like we said, okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna do Helen, okay, we're gonna do Helen. You go as hard as you can. Well, now we're in more of a testing or a compete setting, where you're not necessarily, you're. I mean, you're gonna get some adaptations to it for sure. But we can't just come in and do Helen every single day, just like we can't. We can't. Thank uh, God. You can't. Yeah. Well, well, just like you know, you don't want to go just months and months and months without testing without testing either. Yeah, you know? I think as as CrossFit uh, uh, gyms get better and better, mm-hmm. then this is what started to rise to the top. You know, and the the good trainers, the good affiliate owners are walking around, making sure that the athletes don't fall off the cliff, and they're yeah. you're writing stuff on that black mat saying, okay, I was able to sustain the pace over a period of time, and every day doesn't feel like a testing day, right? Yeah, yeah the, and the goal is, is to develop a well-rounded athlete because a well-rounded athlete is going to be able to do the most things outside of the gym. They're going to be the healthiest, um, and they're going to have the best quality of life. You know, if we specialize and only go hard every single day or if we only do cardio every single day, we're going to be very specialized and we're going to be not going to be well-rounded and we're going to set ourselves up for injury because we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we want a lot of variety. We want to be able to train all the different energy systems, uh, make well-rounded athletes. So that's going to be healthy and keep you progressing over the long term. If you're just doing the same thing over, over and over, you're going to plateau and you're not going to make any progress anymore. That's why we always want to vary it. But you also want to be smart with how you do it because you want to make sure you're developing all the systems at the same time and also testing and also, you know, hitting the train and making sure you're, you're staying healthy. So there's a lot of, a lot of variables that go into it. One, one of the tough things about aerobic training is that it takes more time than, yeah. than other stuff. So it's, it's longer. Um, some people don't like to do longer stuff. You know, it can take a little bit more time. Um, we do a lot more of it with our competitors, um, especially this time of year in the off season. Um, and we try to do it as much as we can in the class, but you know, if you only have an hour for the class, you're very limited on how often you can do certain things. So you know, we we have to make sure we're hitting everything in that hour or in in a given you know week or three week period or whatever the case may be. With the competitors, we have a little bit more time every day. Um, we we will hit more aerobic work uh, because that is going to benefit benefit you and, and especially this time of year if you're really focusing on building up the aerobic base that's going to really pay off come um, competition time in the open and regionals and everything so do we do we have time to dig into something really specific to our competitor programming maybe yeah. break that down because I've, I've got some curiosity just hearing the two of you talk about it so you go through you have training and testing but sometimes your training feels a little bit like testing let me explain what I mean so we sit down on the rower and we just went through a basically a 10-week cycle where we were doing sprints on the rower on a very regular basis what felt like preparing for spending more time on the rower for those longer distances so help answer from this question for me and I think for a lot of our listeners if you uh, sit down on the rower and it's basically a grip and rip sprint trying to trying to get you to that uh, non-aerobic pretty quick how do those two things translate how is that they feel so different the quick sprint and then the long row how do they help each other yeah well don't uh don't confuse intensity to be the variable between between testing and uh between testing and competing because yeah we were doing those sprints but those uh when you were doing uh when you were doing those sprints you know we said okay we're going to row uh you know 70 meters all out we put we uh, we spread them out with the rest time enough to where every effort 
is repeated is repeated it's that you're able to hit you know uh, you know pretty close to the same mark on each sprint every single time if it were testing if we were looking at uh you know your um your anaerobic capacity with that instead of doing a 70 meter sprint resting uh resting three minutes or two minutes and then doing another one we would say 70 meter sprint rest one minute 70 meter sprint rest one minute do it again right and we're now we're now we're getting into testing and testing that testing the capacity of that system when if when you're able when you say 70 meters rest long enough rest 70 meters where the uh, where the intensity is sustained now you're training because you're steadily pushing and pushing the ceiling of that energy system up whereas if you go shorter and you test the capacity of it each interval is probably going to drop a little bit yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah, so like just to, and I know I love rowing, so I'm gonna, I could ask a thousand questions about rowing, but I think it's applicable because we just went through it. When we did that uh, 5,000 meter, you pick your number, you try to stay on your splits, you know, 148 or somewhere around in there. And then you get to, this is a mistake that I was talking about with some of the guys in the box just two weeks ago. You get to that last 500 meters of that 5,000 meter row and you say, I'm really going to kick it in mm. here. You know, that's the temptation. Like, I'm going to pace, I'm going to pace, and I'm going to make up some ground at the end. And some of the athletes would crash and burn in that 500-meter sprint. Some of us actually dropped our splits down to the 130s, and we started talking about, man, maybe we picked an incorrect pace from the beginning if we had that much yeah. left. Is that correct thinking? Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, what I did um, for my, uh, my 5,000 meters. Uh, you know, one, I'm a, um, I did this for two reasons. Uh, one was because I'm just a terrible rower. I'm awful at just sitting on a rower for, uh, for a long time. Um, and, uh, it's definitely not my strong suit. So I decided, you know, this year I'm going to, you know, put the time in to try to get better. But, um, you know, I was, I was probably the fourth or fifth person to do the 5k row that day. So I'm looking at the times on the board and I'm doing the math right away. I'm like, okay, to beat this person, I've got to be at this pace, this, this, and that. But I know, I know me well enough that if I get on the rower and I pick a pace and I've, I've done a 5k row maybe once or twice in my life. And I really don't remember how fast they were the, uh, the other two times. If I pick a pace and I get on there and I can't hold it, I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to get mad uh, you know, that's going to elevate my heart rate and it's not going to do me any good. I'm going to get, I'm going to get pissed off, throw the handle down, put the rower up and go home angry. Okay. We've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so what I decided to do so that all I was going to focus, I decided that all I was going to focus on was making sure that whatever pace I was going at was that, would that be, uh, I would be able to hold it for 5,000 meters. I want to have the same pace the entire way through. I took some black tape. I covered up the monitor where all I could see was the 5,000 meters at the top of the monitor, and all I could see was it counting down. So mentally, for me, every time I look at, every time I look at the monitor, all I see is progress. I'm further along than I was before, but I don't have any of those outside variables, you know, the pressure of trying to hold a certain number on the screen, okay? So I did that till it was done. Took the tape off, saw my time, saw my average pace. Now I know my true 5,000-meter pace that I need to work on trying to improve. Yeah, I think something like this, the best possible result for you is finding a pace and holding the same pace the whole time. If you're able to sprint at the end, you have gone too slow over the whole time. Um, And if you sprint at the end and you blow up, you're probably holding a pretty good pace and you probably should have held it the whole time. Um, But – 
for the best possible to get the best possible score, you're going to be holding the same pace the whole time. So let me let me ask you this direct question, Hunter. And I, I agree with what you're saying there, Chris, and that you basically made it sound like uh, a Metcon where you're just going off feel. Uh, that's all yeah. you can do is like, how am I feeling, adjusting, and you know. Uh, Hunter, I've always respected this part of your game, the mental part of your CrossFit game. You're pretty exceptional at that. So when you get in one of these kind of, we call them traditionally just a long grind, you know, one of those. When you get in one of those and you start to feel lower back pain or you realize, man, I've got some shoulder issues going on, there's no stopping. You just have to adjust. What do you do to compensate for that and to keep going to try to stay at that sustained pace? Uh, you know, that's hard. You know, when you're doing – long row like that you got a lot of time to think and you get you get in there and you're like oh, I want to quit I want to quit and you know there's a lot of different things I'll think about you know just tell myself the biggest thing I think of is don't be disappointed in your effort um later on today because if I if I get off the row or in 30 minutes later I'm like man I slowed down I didn't give it all I have I'm going to be way more pissed off it's going to be way more painful to me than just digging deep and holding on you know and just trying to think, you know, tell myself positive thoughts. I know just from doing it a lot that the hardest part is, is in the middle. Once you get past that halfway point, you kind of feel like, all right, I'm over halfway done. And I'll kind of, you know, a couple other things I'll do. I'm like, let's just break it down into sets of 500. You know, it's 10 sets of 500, and I'll count down or 10. All right, I only got nine more. Okay, now I've got eight more. And, you know, the more you get into it, your brain kind of starts shutting off, and it's, it's just kind of getting those thoughts to, to get out of your, your head trying not to think so much, trying to quiet your mind. And uh, that's one of the things I really like about aerobic work is that it's almost like meditation in the fact that you are just focused on one thing. You're not thinking about a million different things. And when you really get into that zone, you, it's just, it's just you, you're, you have one thing on your mind, and it's so different than the rest of our lives where we're always running here and there doing a million other things, and it slows you down. And I was talking to Chris about this the other day, like, I have some of my best thinking, best ideas, like in the middle of aerobic work, like when we're doing intervals, and I like all of a sudden I just have this idea pop into my head in my rest period because you're not thinking about a million different things. You're just the blood's flowing, and you're thinking about you know one or two things, and you're just focused on your effort. And all of a sudden you just something that you problem you've been thinking about. All of a sudden you just have a solution to it. So that's yeah. one thing I really like about it. But you know, for me, I you know I've done it enough. I know typically what pace I want to hold. And I'll, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to hold this pace and try to hold the whole time. And then some days I'll get going and I just don't have it. And I know, all right, I can't hold this pace. I'll slow it down a little bit. And then I try to hold that pace for whatever. But, you know, if I do feel good, you know, and I'm, you know, 20 percent of the way in and I'm holding that pace, I'm like, man, I think I, I, I think I can do it today. And then I kind of dig deep. I'm like, just get over halfway done. And then once I get over halfway done, it's over. It's downhill from that. But I think. Most of that is just practice. You know, I've done a lot of hour rows. I've done 30-minute rows. I've done countless 5Ks. You know, I've done a lot of that stuff. So it just takes practice of learning yourself and developing that system and knowing, you know, what to expect, what you can hold, being aware of your body, being aware of your feelings. I think, you know, a lot of people just aren't in touch with how they feel in workouts, you know, and they, they don't realize – hey, this is a little bit too fast for my pace. I bet for myself, I need to slow down a little bit. They're just thinking, oh, I got to beat so-and-so. Oh, I got to beat so-and-so. And then all of a sudden, they just explode and blow up, and they can't hold it anymore as opposed to paying attention to how you're feeling. You know, I just don't have it today. I better slow it down or else I'm going to crash and burn or else, oh, I feel good today. I think I can hold this. Maybe I can pick it up a little bit and being, being more aware of, of, of your, your body and your capabilities.
it was a uh, it was real eye opening for me on uh the uh the first uh, the first open workout this year eighteen point one that had the uh the toast to bar the dumbbell oh, clean and yeah. jerks and the uh and the row um i uh i got done with it and um and a couple of people told me that uh that i looked um that i almost looked like i was uh wasn't uh was wasn't pushing very hard on the uh on the toe to bar and the dumbbell or really the the whole workout but um because uh my my toes to bar and the dumbbell clean and jerks i was really efficient with those movements i went unbroken just about the entire way through the second time on both of those and uh and i felt really good on them but uh but the uh the rower just absolutely killed me i just was not able to sustain a pace and that and that workout was mostly rowing if you looked at the total time spent at each movement and um so even though i felt good and and uh out of the three movements i felt like i crushed two of them it was still one of my worst open finishes in a long time and um so that uh it motivated me to you know now man i've got to i've got to get on this rower and i've got to spend time on it and try to get better at it because it shows up every open yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and and not just that it transfers over to every every other aspect and i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about you know some of the benefits that you will see doing a lot of aerobic work i think I think the best uh, the best year I ever had uh, in the open uh, was the year I was doing the most aerobic work, and you know, I f- you feel better in workouts. The workouts don't hurt as bad. Um, when you take a break, your your heart rate comes down faster. Um, you're able to recover more between sessions and between days. Uh, you're able to recover quicker after a workout. Um, so I think all that stuff, you know, is is very direct correlation to aerobic training. The more aerobic training you do, the less painful the workout's going to be. The quicker you're going to be able to, your heart rate's going to come be able to come down like in between sets. So when you take a break, you you won't have to take a break uh, as long of a break in the workout. You'll recover between days and between sessions. So you know I think generally doing aerobic work is going to help all that type of stuff. So if you really want to compete in the sport of CrossFit, you really need to be doing this type of stuff. And some of the, you know, some of my favorite things that I like to do, and we, we have the, the competition team doing this right now, like we have the shorter competition team and then we have the games prep program, which is the competition program plus some other stuff. And, you know, the competition team we got on a 5k cycle and we also got them on some, um, you know, some bike work and, uh, stuff like that. But we have our games prep team doing, you know, a longer, uh, running cycle. I really like running for aerobic work because it works your legs and you're, you're carrying your body as well. It's the only aerobic piece, um, that you're carrying your body weight. So it's going to transfer the most, I feel like to everything else. It's also using your legs, which are your big, biggest muscles in your body. So as you process lactic acid, as your, your heart gets worked harder, as you have to pump oxygen through, you know, bigger muscle parts, um, it's going to, it's going to give you the most bang for your buck. So if you can only do one, I would definitely say run, but you know, we just finished a long running cycle with the competition team. So we wanted to get them on the rower, uh, the games prep, we got them on a long, uh, you know, slow and steady, uh, interval type program for running. We got the 5k, uh, row program going on. And another thing I really like is like hour long heart rate work sessions, which we we're doing two of those a week where you wear a heart rate monitor, you keep your heart rate generally 130 to 150, which is going to be like a conversation pace. And you just hold that steady pace for an hour. 
Um, you know, and something that we've kind of added into it this past year is every 10 minutes you get off and do some, some gymnastic skill work, like handstand walk, uh, legless rope climb or short rope climb, uh, strict handstand push-ups, you know, a few pistols, uh, maybe uh, some core work, something like that, you know, just for a minute or two and then get back on and, and con- continue to do it. We'll rotate through bike, uh, ski and rower. Um, just monitoring your heart rate for the whole hour at the end of it, you know, it's like I said, it's conversation pace. You should be able to talk the whole time, but you feel kind of refreshed. It's kind of like an active recovery, but you're also getting some good aerobic work in. So if you add that stuff into your, you know, regular CrossFit training, like I said, it does take a lot of time, but I think it's going to benefit you greatly. And then also, you know, if you're doing all that type of stuff, you're building that base so when you get closer to the uh to the season and when you actually get into the competition season it's going to set you up to have a higher performance peak hunter something you said there kind of sparked a question for me in that i feel like crossfit throws you in this situation a lot where a workout has several different things you have to do one of those things is going to intentionally take you to an anaerobic state pretty quickly and then they use an aerobic exercise designed to give you some sort of break there so your heart rate spikes and it's intentionally built that way and then the rowers used a lot in this sometimes the assault bike sometimes a run something's thrown in there where the athlete understands i'm supposed to be recovering during this time it seems to be pretty difficult one of the questions i have for the average athlete is can, if, if you don't feel natural recovering during a run or during a row is that something you can compensate for over time or is it just genetics and you're stuck i, I think everybody is going to have certain strengths and weaknesses when it comes to movements i think the more developed your aerobic system is the quicker you're going to recover um, on all modal in all modalities but you know somebody who is more a better rower is naturally going to be able to recover better on rower um, than somebody who's not a very good rower some things you can do you know work on those in your aerobic work throw them in and try to keep them aerobic by making the, your movement more efficient in them by doing it more often if you get better at the movement uh, you're going to be able to recover better you know one thing that really you know helps a lot is like if, if it's 95 pound thruster if you get stronger and more efficient at your thruster you're going to be able to recover better during those thrusters than if your max thruster is 135 you know and you're doing 95 pound thrusters you're going to have you know no matter how developed your aerobic system is you're going to have a hard time staying aerobic on that movement whereas if somebody somebody's max thruster is 275 you know they're that's going to be a lot less of their percentage they're going to be able to do a lot more reps and stay aerobic but you know every movement that's one of the beauties about crossfit is every movement is going to you impact you differently and you have to learn which ones you can push the pace on which ones you need to slow down on which ones you can recover on uh which ones you can't and then also by working on them and becoming more efficient you will be able to um you know go through the movement without exerting as much effort and while getting your heart rate down so general awareness from across the crossfit athlete we just have to constantly bring this up i think is so very important. You just can't be on autopilot. Uh, you have to be investigating how, how you are as an athlete based on the particular movement. I know something we've talked about a lot. You have a, a woman who is very strong or a man who's very strong, and then you put them uh, in a workout with thrusters. They don't have a really good front rack 
they're sunk. I mean, there's just nothing they can do because their movement is so inefficient, and it means they need to hang out. Think about how simple this is, but how hard it is to convince athletes to do this. It means they need to hang out with that green band and do a lot of work in the rack, stretching, becoming more mobile. So they don't need to increase their strength. The strength is already there. They just don't have mobility. So they're pushing into that anaerobic state a lot faster with somebody that's weaker than them. This really frustrates guys and girls that come into the CrossFit gym because they look over there and say, I've got a 75 pound higher max on this particular movement and this guy's running circles around me. What's going on? Well, if in your thruster you're sitting way out front, there's the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fixes sometimes are just not real sexy. Yeah, efficiency is is key for being able to compete at a high level. And if you go back and watch Rich Froning, like his movement was so much better than everybody else's <laughs> at that time. You know, I think the field is has is gotten way more efficient over the last few years but still the top guys are the best movers as well because they are the most efficient they're using up less energy every single rep and over a workout over time you know the the less energy you're using the the more work you're going to be able to do the more the better you're going to be able to recover so and every movement is different you know a 95 pound thruster might look different than a 45 pound thruster for you or might look different than a 135 pound thruster and you might be able to perform one efficiently and not and not another so you have to realize hey these are my limitations yeah maybe my front rack is my limiter maybe my ankles are my limiter you know whatever the case may be and I need to work on those in order to make my movement more efficient so if you're always looking on moving better higher quality movement um, in each movement that you do uh, you're going to be able to you know stay aerobic longer in those uh, when those movements show up in a workout, and that's that's the name of the game. You know, if you can stay aerobic longer in a workout, you're going to perform better. So I think we've established there's there's huge payout for paying attention to this. I think we're everybody should be satisfied with the answer to that question. So let's just kind of call it down as we're wrapping up this part of the episode. I want to throw it to you, Chris, for for the average man or woman who's coming into a CrossFit box after a long day at work, trying to make sure they get in uh, some fitness in, in a part of their life rhythm. What are some tips and tricks? I don't necessarily mean hacks. I mean, it needs to be a tip or a trick. What are some tips to help them be, get better at this over time or face that workout? Let's be honest. Sometimes people see those long aerobic workouts, they cherry pick, and they just show up the next day instead of that day. How can they make that drive and, and be confident in what they're going to do that day? Are you talking about, like, from a from a testing perspective or from, like, from – training yes I mean training because in testing you know the training leads up to testing makes you better at testing so attack one before the other okay well I mean let's use let's use our our gym for uh, for an example if I am writing a the class a an aerobic workout I'm always going to use very general movements like we're probably not going to do a lot of high skill stuff like clean and jerks bar muscle ups squat snatches things like that I'm not going to do that because if I want to train the aerobic system, I've got to make sure that everybody is going to be able to stay aerobic without having to uh, worry about the complexity of a movement. So that's why, you know, a lot of my, uh, the aerobic training workouts that I, that I'll write, a lot of them can get a little repetitive because we're going to do a lot of, uh, a lot of running kettlebell swings, wall balls, no push-up burpees or full burpees, step-ups, box jumps, jump rope, rowing, things that you don't have to think about a whole lot, but you know, your you know we could do something like air squats. You know, if you can be efficient and learn how to breathe, 
through an air squat and you can, you know, focus on making your squat perfect as you move up and down and improve your, uh, your positioning. Then when we have a testing style workout come up and it's got 95 pound thrusters in it, you'll be that much more efficient because now you know how to breathe through squatting and, you know, and because you've done so many air squats and so many wall balls under, a um, under a, uh, in an aerobic state and, uh, you know, and, and then from there, if we want to improve it even more, that's where we can start focusing on things like strength and different things like that. But I guess, you know, just a good trick is or whatever is just to make sure that you're consistent so that you get in all these movement patterns. You're able to do them in an aerobic state. You know how to breathe. You know where your red line is for each individual movement so that when you come in and we're testing something, you're able to have a game plan. And if there's something that you feel like might be a limiter for you in that particular workout, you have a better idea of how to game plan for it. My, my advice would be first, you need to make sure you're at a gym that knows what they're doing with their programming and make sure that they have a plan to, to work on your aerobic system and work on everything else. And if you are at a gym like that, then all you need to do is be consistent and show up every day because you're going to get that work in consistently. If you are at a gym like that, do not cherry pick and skip the long stuff because you're going to be hurting yourself in the long run. That long stuff is going to benefit you greatly, so you need to be doing it. So I would say, you know, make first off, make sure you're at a gym. It, ask ask whatever gym you're at. Ask the trainer trainers why are we doing this? You know, what's the what's the thought process behind that? They should be able to tell you instead of oh yeah. we hadn't we hadn't done something like this in a while. You know, they should be able <laughs> to tell you the reason why you're doing certain things. And if they don't, you need to find somebody who can tell you why you're doing. If they can tell you why you're doing it, then you, you and, they, and you know that they have a plan, then you're probably at a good gym. Then all you need to do is show up, you know, be consistent. Don't only show up for the stuff you're good at and skip the stuff you're bad at. The people, we see it countless times, the people who make the most progress are the ones that show up every day, no matter what the workout is. The people who cherry pick are the ones are just going to be, you know, they're only going to show up for the stuff they're good at. They're already good at. They're not going to get much better at it. They're going to miss out on all the stuff they're not so good at. So I would say, Make sure your your gym knows what they're doing with the program. If they do, make sure you show up consistently. And then, like Chris said, be mindful of how you attack each workout. Make sure you have a game plan going into each workout. And and when you're finished with the workout, think back on how it went, what you could do better. And over time, all that stuff is going to add up, and you're going to be able to make a lot of progress that way. Boom, roasted. <laughs> Guys, great discussion on this really difficult topic uh, inside of all – forms of fitness so I think it could really benefit anyone who's listening definitely you guys have given me something to think about when you're spending uh, that 16 minutes on a rower for that 5k uh, hey that's pretty good 5k time bro <laughs> so that was totally a lot <laughs> alright so now we uh, transition to one of my favorite uh, segments outside the box nice wow tried hey, to up the ante there on, yeah on, I did on. in the shower every morning so <laughs> been building up my uh, falsetto base over the last few weeks I so, see that yeah so what we're going to discuss uh, today because it's actually just absolutely a part of what's going on currently in the world today and that is the world cup the world cup so we're going to discuss who we think is going to take the top is it I don't even know really the parameters we should be talking about who's going to win who's going to look the best winning what what countries are going to fight the most this is this nobody can argue it's an electric competition. World Cup predictions. You can predict whatever you want to predict. World man. Cup predictions. Okay. All this right. Is, this so. is soccer, right? It's one where the ball goes under the bar. 
Correct. in between the bars. Yeah, yeah. Got this it. is this is soccer. To- totally different game than we're used to as Americans. Uh, I don't know. America has kind of gotten in, involved in this a little bit as of late. I will say, I really wish that I'd have played more soccer growing up just because of the, uh, the aerobic benefits that it has. Those guys are absolute aerobic monsters. Well, that's precisely the reason I didn't play. Those mm-hmm. guys just run too much. I'm like, it's the reason I did not play at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have, though. <laughs> All right, so we'll, let's just go ahead and be honest about this. That I, I believe Hunter and Chase are going to be the the top two predictors here. We're gonna, we have a role to play, Chris, but it's just not nearly as important. So we should probably start with uh, Chase, and maybe we should say who's going to win and who's going to get close. That's what we're going to do? Yeah, why not? Oh, That's I had every group right? figured out. You have, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you have what now? I had every group figured out. Oh, okay. Right, well, well, let's go. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to go A to H uh, real quickly. So in <laughs> <laughs> that, that's. Did you, I don't ever want to hear anything about my top threes. <laughs> <laughs> did you just hear the whole previous discussion on like a – you have to have a sustainable pace over a long what period of time. What are these charts? Yeah, for? I'm gonna, I'm going to give about 30 seconds per group and it'll be great. Chase, okay. did you play soccer? Yeah. Okay, cool. I didn't know that. Now you do. <laughs> All right, so A to H. A to H. Yeah. I'll go fast. Uh so group A is Uruguay, Russia, Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Uh as at recording, uh Russia just smacked Saudi Arabia 5 to nothing, I believe. So uh I'm going to go and count Saudi Arabia out cuz they're not looking great. Um so I think Uruguay is the far and away top pick for this group. I think so. If for those of you that don't know, two teams come out of the group to go into the 16-team uh, bracket for the finals. So uh, so two people will be leaving this group. I think Uruguay will be first, and it's either Russia or Egypt will be second. I think Russia has the better odds, so I'm going to pick Uruguay and Russia. Uh, am I the only one with group predictions, by the way, Hunter? Or you- yeah, I didn't. I didn't do group. Okay, predictions, I'll, I'll, then I'll go very fast. Group B, I have Spain and Portugal. Nobody else will be competing. The other two are Morocco and Iran. Um, group C, uh, France has far and away. Uh, excuse me, France and Brazil have far away the best odds to win their groups. So France will be coming out of this one, I believe, and then Denmark will be coming second. Uh, Peru and Australia won't be, but they'll be there. They'll participate. They'll, they'll, they'll participate. <laughs> uh, group D, I think, uh, I think will be Argentina and Croatia. I don't think Nigeria or Iceland could uh, could hang with either two of those. Spoiler alert: I think Argentina could go all the way uh, this year. Um, group E, uh, like I said, Brazil. Brazil's nuts at least compared to the rest of their group. So yeah, whoever like second I place. I like how you did that there. Oh, <laughs> Brazil nuts. <laughs> I'm suspicious now he's making the whole thing up, just to lead to that just joke. Just one big pun <laughs> at the very end. Um, but the, uh, the, other, the other two vying for second place are Switzerland and Serbia. I think it'll be Switzerland, but Serbia could really surprise some people this year. Don't count them out, Chris. Don't count them out. I'll try not to. <laughs> I remember you said that. <laughs> uh, group F uh, is Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Uh, South Korea is one of those teams you're patting on the back for making it this far. Uh, Mexico and Sweden will be vying for second place. Uh, people say it'll be Mexico, but I think Sweden's going to surprise some people this year. Uh, Germany will absolutely win that group. Uh, group G, this is probably the most... If not the most, and it's the second most contested uh, pairing for uh, coming out 
of the group stage. Uh, Tunisia and Panama are not going to do anything. It'll just uh, Belgium and England will be competing for first. Belgium can score a lot of goals, so many goals. Just it's unreal. Uh, but England's always solid, so you literally you can't count them out. But I still think Belgium will come out of Group G as the the first place quote unquote seed. And then Group H, this this is the craziest group out of all of them. And so best for last. Literally all four of these teams could make it out of this group stage, and no one would be surprised. But I'm going to go with the experts and say Colombia and Poland will do it with Senegal and Japan just missing the cut. Okay, so according to Sumter's model, which it kind of sounds like you're following, there will be two underdogs that are going to make it out of the stage, and people could stand to make a lot of money if they back these underdogs. Right. Who would you pick? If we're counting Japan as one of them, then I would say Japan. Are you saying go all the way or make it out of the group stage? Make it out of the group stage. Yeah. A very shocking make it out of the group stage and, and pay a huge payout. Yeah. So uh, you're saying Japan would be one. I think Japan could be one. It would be a modest payout. Um, and then another one. Peru stands a decent chance to make it. All Peru is in the same group as France. So France is locked up first place. So basically second place. Probably goes to Denmark, but Peru is the only other team in that group that could compete. So if Peru makes it out of the the group stage right there over Denmark, that's quite a bit of money that you. They're a plus one thousand bet based on the the model that you're saying. Yeah. Which means I think if you put I think it works if you put in a hundred bucks you just made ten thousand no hundred thousand dollars is that how it works? Yeah, maybe we should all throw some money in together. Based on what Hunter's about to say, we might actually put some money on the table. So Hunter, you agree or disagree with with uh, Chase's? stuff he's saying here i mean yeah i mean i i agree i didn't really look at the groups i was just more picking for the who's going to win it all why not yeah. yeah all right so let's hear that side of it well i've just been looking at the odds here and uh saudi arabia is a five thousand to one odd so uh thinking about throwing a <laughs> so dollar you're down saying there's a chance throw a dollar down and uh hey they already lost the first game but you never know you never Miracle, know i think that happen. was a five thousand to one odds before they got smacked yeah. by <laughs> Probably 20,000 to one now. Uh, you know, Brazil's the favorite. Germany's second favorite. You know, I think Brazil has a really good team. Uh, Brazil always has a tough time when they play in Europe, though. I think they hadn't won the World Cup since, like, 1948 in Europe or something. So, that's going to be tough for them. If I had to pick one team, I think Germany. I think Germany's the best team in the world. I think they have the best uh, development program in the world. Um, I would – I would. I mean, I know they won last time. I, I would pick them to repeat. They're pretty close to Russia, too. Um you know, I thought Spain had a really good chance until they fired their coach the day before the World Cup started. So, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. I mean, at least give them a chance, man. I don't know. You know, a lot of people are picking Argentina. They're 10-1. to 1. Um, you, know, you know, Messi, you know, you can't ever count out a team that has, you know, arguably the best player in the world. I, don't, so. I, I have moved on to not even arguably. Yeah. He is the best player in the world. Yeah, it, and then, uh, you know – same with Portugal, you know, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. If you have a guy always like that same. on your team, you're yeah. always you always have a shot. Yeah. You know, so I think you know, Portugal's twenty five to one. You know, that's 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 worth a flyer. I mean, if you're a betting person and you wanna put a couple flyers down, throw something down on Portugal, you know, uh twenty five to one, uh maybe Argentina ten to one, but I still I still think it's probably going to come down to Brazil or Germany, uh, the two favorites, and I I just have to go with Germany just because it's in Russia. It's a lot closer to to there. It's I think it's hard um, for a South American 
team to win in Europe. I think it where they play makes a huge, huge difference. So I would, if I had to pick a team, I would say Germany, um, closely followed behind by Brazil and uh, probably Argentina and uh, Portugal. So I think England's England's gonna fall apart like they always do. Mm-hmm. Mm, they ouch! Have, they have high expectations <laughs> always, and they don't ever do well. And they got they got a young team this year, and everybody's talking them up. But I still choke when the game's on the line. Yeah, ever since seventeen seventy six. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you don't you don't have Belgium anywhere in, in your top. You know that's interesting because of their playmakers. I, th- I think they're a good team, but you know I think when it comes down to it, you know in the World Cup, I think it's the same. It's the same guard always, you know, it's always the same top teams. And when the when the lights come on, the same teams are going to be the ones that do well. And, you know, I think – I just think that Brazil and Germany are just head over heels better than anybody else. All right, I'm going to get spicy real quick. Um, are you about to talk about Mexico? <laughs> no, Mexico <laughs> – Or Chile. <laughs> Mexico will fall apart, similar to Britain, I think. I never trust Mexico in soccer. Um <laughs> <laughs> that almost got political and yeah. backed away really quickly. Uh, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say my semifinals real quick, which is basically just my top four. But I think uh, I think Argentina and Germany will make it on uh, on their side of the bracket to the semifinals. So pretty similar to what uh, to what Hunter's talking. Here, where we get spicy is I think on the other side of the bracket, I think Uruguay is gonna make a run this year. And on the bottom side of the bracket, I think Belgium beats out Brazil. Wow. So then your, your semifinals would be Uruguay and Belgium on one side, and then Argentina and Germany on the other side. With Uruguay and Argentina in the finals, with Argentina coming out on top. All South American final in Europe. Bold prediction. It'd be incredible. <laughs> I, I'm tempted to throw Belgium in there just because I think it'd be awesome. I really don't want to throw Germany in there just because I'm kind of tired of Germany. But, just uh, in general? Just in general. Okay. Just as an entire country. Yeah. Snitch, Snitzel's overrated, so let's keep him out. <laughs> Snitzel. You can keep your Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'll take my Sam Adams any day. Um, yeah, so that's my, that's my prediction. It's Argentina all the way. Argentina, Hunter, what are you saying all the way? All the way? I, I think the final's going to be Germany and Brazil. I just don't see any way around it, and I think Germany's going to win it all. Wow. All right. I'm going I'm going to go with Belgium because what they're saying about their top players and their ability to um their ability to assist that is shown over the course of time is probably going to help make the push all the way to the end. They have three players that can score almost at will. Yes, yeah, scoring at will, but it can also uh, be team players, which we've seen in all high-level athletics is an an important piece to make it all the way to the end and win. Okay, mm. it's the, Le- the LeBron factor. Yeah, I know you were paying attention specifically in the qualifying matches when Belgium was making their run through Europe to make it to this uh, to this exactly. point. Exactly, right? Exactly, that was the thing. You know, the way they, you know, the the cleats and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah, they yeah. had those new spikes on the bottom. Sports and such. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys are fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> So, like they can get from A to B quicker than the other guy. Exactly. That aerobic base they've built up yeah. over time is pretty incredible. All right, so right. we've got to hear from Chris Allen the prediction. Who's I just, right here? I have three predictions for the World Cup. Okay. Oh, man. First prediction Someone is will make a I, lot of will, money. I will yell at them for passing the ball backwards over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> the, goal, the goal is not that way. Your goal is over there. Two, an offsides will be called. <laughs> and I will ask somebody to explain the offside rule to me, yeah, yeah. and I still won't get it. 
But wait, he, it happened. The, he didn't cross the neutral zone. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, the, 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 he didn't even get into his cadence yet. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Somebody got ahead of the ball. I don't know. <laughs> However that works. And my final prediction is that the first two predictions are lies because I probably won't watch a game. Oh, <laughs> That's what I like to so hear. So he's boycotting the World Cup. Honestly, if Team USA doesn't make it, I'm barely going to watch anyway either. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's one of those honest. you kind of. You, you I never played. I have no interest in an app or something like that. But you don't sit there and watch the match. I'll pay attention until the semifinals just to see if I'm right. Okay. Well, if the I think uh, if one of the three of us are right about who we predicted to win, there should be some reward involved. We should probably oh, go nice. to Buffalo Wild Wings or something. Yeah. No, I said I think reward. We yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs> there should be a reward involved. <laughs> All right. So we make our transition. That was actually a pretty lively discussion around the World Cup. Uh, yeah. Assuming you guys are satisfied, we can move on now, right? Yeah, I think I think we uh, we hit hit the nail on the head with that one. <laughs> <laughs> all the actual soccer fans in the world, all the listeners, they're just are just like throwing their phones gosh. out the window. Who are these guys? <laughs> wankers, isn't that what they would call us? <laughs> yeah. uh, something like that. So speaking of wankers, uh, we got Hunter's got to Hunter's got to recommend to wrap up the episode. Cut that out, Chase. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's gonna recommend some new boxer briefs. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to recommend a, a book today, Shocker. Um, it's a book called uh, The Life and Times of the America's Banana King by Rich Cohen. Um, so this was a, uh, a, biography, a biography about a guy who um, started a – he's a Russian immigrant. He started a banana company uh, on his own and then ended up taking on United – Fruit, which was basically had a monopoly on all the uh, fruit in America in the early 1900s, uh, took them on, uh, sold out to them, and then retired, and then got mad because they were running his company into the ground. So generated enough uh, proxy votes. Um, he still owned shares in the company. Generated enough proxy votes to have a majority. Walked in and fired all of them and took it over himself, and then ran it for about 30 years. But it's a really, really interesting book. Um, of how somebody goes from working the docks, no money, dirt, dirt poor, to one of the most rich and powerful men in the world. He was behind um, the uh, overthrow of governments in Central America because that was where um, they were growing their bananas and they were, you know, passing regulations against his company. So he overthrew the government with. Uh, you know, with, you know, like Che Guevara and those type of people. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So it's really fascinating to see how all this, how this banana company got so involved in the politics of Central America and how this one guy was so um, calculating and ruthless, but still was able to, you know, you know, live a long, prosperous life. He's, he ended up living in New Orleans. Um, he donated tons of money to Tulane. Most of the buildings... Um, at Tulane are named after him and his family. The the mansion that the president of Tulane lives in now is his old house. It's supposedly one of the most uh, beautiful houses in the world. Um, so uh, I would highly recommend. It's a really in- entertaining read. Uh, Life and Times of the Banana King. Yeah, Rich Cohen. Pablo Escobar, fruit for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so quick question. Is this where the phrase, man, that's bananas, originated? Because that, for that's crazy. 
I don't know. Actually, the book's called Was The he Fish. the inspiration is, for the, the Fergie the, song? The, yeah. The book is called The Fish That Ate the Whale. Uh, a couple interesting things I learned from it. The, the bananas we eat now are not the same bananas that they were selling in the early 1900s. Well, Those, yeah, they don't last that long. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I knew the, it. The, I didn't make the, the joke because I knew Chris was coming through in the, the clutch. The species of bananas are different. They were bigger back then, and they were the peel was slimy and slippery. That's where all the uh, you know slipping on banana peel came from. Um, but those those actual bananas are are extinct. Uh, now a disease wiped those uh, type of bananas out. So Full disclosure, I didn't hear anything Hunter said. I was still <laughs> laughing at Chris. <laughs> we're all sitting here laughing. When you have a guy that says, hey, I just need to let everybody know that bananas are getting smaller, <laughs> it's just hard to avoid the jokes. Um, I see what you mean. So, all right, uh, follow-up question. I, I think I had it, but, but I lost it. So that's not where we get the, uh, the phrase, that's bananas. That's not where that happened. I don't know. I don't know where that – that probably came from a TV show or something. Okay. Tom and Jerry. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so that's the recommend, so we'll dig into that. The, the actual title of the book, you, you repeated it. The Fish That Ate the Whale. The Fish That Ate the Whale. All right, we'll have to check that out. Correlation to bananas, I believe, on that. Uh, the fish and whales eat bananas? Every day of the week. That's right. That's yeah. how it works. Man, so a lively discussion today, guys. What a good episode. Uh, we just want to ask our listeners, as we do at the end of each episode, if you feel like this information will be helpful for the people in your life that pursue fitness, please be sure to copy that link, share it to them. And if you're just feeling exceptionally generous, we'd love for you to hop on iTunes, give us a pretty high star rating, and leave an excellent review. That would be great to spread the word about the Coyote Fitness Podcast. So until then, we'll see you next week.